This episode of the 501st Cast is dedicated to these fallen members and honorary members. James Michael DeJan, a.k.a. TARD, TI-38513, from Midwest Garrison, and Elder Statesman of Jolly Roger Squadron. Charles Short, TK-14770, from Star Garrison's West Texas Squad. John Minnick, TB-52913, also from Star Garrison's West Texas Squad. Sasha Schutz, TB-11591, from German Garrison. Jeffrey Denbo, TI-11065, from Garrison Carita. Mark Lilquist, TK-6653, from Florida Garrison's Tampa Bay Squad. Chris Munka, Captain Kirgi in A New Hope. And Colin Cantwell, designer of the X-Wing, TIE Fighter, and many other Star Wars ships. They are now all forever enshrined in our Hall of Eternal Legionnaires. We found a computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned to global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate decades of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. Give me regular reports, please. Right. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. Welcome back to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion Vader's Fist. This is episode 134 for July 2022, and here are your hosts, myself, Marcus, TK14057. This is Todd, TI and TB10078. This is Nikki, DZ8397. And I'm Joe, TI and SL12743. The Five First Legion is currently at 14,689 members, with 33,172 approved costumes in the Legion. Our newest member, listed on 501st.com at the time of recording, is Philip, TK26784, uh, a New Hope's stunt trooper for the German garrison. In this episode, we get you caught up on troops from the last couple of months, get you a history lesson on cosplay, and we hear from a TK on the set of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Stay tuned. We have a few new entries to the 501st Legion costume reference library since our last episode. Our Imperial Gunnery Corps has completed version of the costume as seen in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Bounty Hunters Guild has completed the CRL for Din Djarin as seen in The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, shout out to my garrison mate, BH42584, for working so hard in his costume and being the model for that CRL. Jolly Roger Squadron has added two new versions of the TIE pilot to their ranks, the first being the variant as seen in Star Wars Rebels, the second being Varco Gray as seen in the Star Wars Squadron's video game. We almost ended up with an episode with no new CRL from our famous CRL-busting clone trooper detachment, but just in time they finished the CRL for Commander Pawns as seen in The Clone Wars Season 1. These costumes are now all ready for independent GML approval. As always, you can check out links directly to each CRL in our show notes, and you can see the full list at 501st.com slash CRL. 
Thanks again to the Legion membership team for these updates. This is an exclusive 501st Cast interview. The contents discussed in the following interview have the written consent by Lucasfilm Limited, LLC. Hello, listeners. With me today, I have the great honor of welcoming Craig Gaylord, TK77776 of the mighty Golden Gate Garrison. Welcome, brother. How are you? I'm great. Very honored to be here. Thank you. You are quite welcome, sir. So, Craig, you have the distinct honor of being one of 40-plus TKs that Lucasfilm hired from all California garrisons last summer to be featured in the recently aired Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. Tell me, please, how that came about and how did you hear about the casting call? Uh, okay, yeah, thanks. Uh, well, first off, I'd like to say, yeah, I certainly uh, um, can't believe this whole thing came true. It's just amazing. And I feel very honored that I that I was chosen. Um, uh, so our garrison does a lot of work with Lucasfilm. We're right here in the you know, the heart of Lucasfilm. We're right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yep. So we've done like a lot of things. We have a very good relationship with them. They've had us out there to Skywalker Ranch and everything. So, um, uh, and we do like a lot of different things. We've done some special needs things for them. And uh, we're always honored to be able to work with them. Uh, so I believe it was a uh, casting uh, done for um, all the California garrisons. Uh, and I don't know exactly what their criteria was. What they asked us was to send us pictures and they, they said they wanted like pictures of our, you know, front, back, side, um, and showing how tall we were. I think it was, uh, they wanted to know our height in and out of costume. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong about that. And they wanted some detailed pictures of our blasters. And uh, other than that, I don't know why, who was chosen. Um, we did seem to be about the same height and, okay. and weight. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there was a look that they were going for. And um, uh, it was like in May was the casting call. And okay. it was just done through a regular like events, special, special ops orders thing. And so we never really got to find out uh, until the very last minute. And uh, I mean, I think like a couple weeks beforehand, but we had already been notified of these were the dates and you needed to let everyone know that you are available for those dates. Uh -huh. And if so, then that was, that was, I'm sure part of it too. Um, and uh then we we got actually then they finally told us that, you know, hey, we're going to be uh, um, they're going to be letting the people that were chosen know. And uh, so I got an email. And as a matter of fact, it went to my spam. So I thought I wasn't oh, chosen. No. <laughs> and I was like, oh, darn. And then I looked in. I happened to look at my spam and there it was. And then I was in complete disbelief. I thought, wait, wait, wait. I'm not sure if this is is this someone else saying that they got chosen or did I really get chosen? And then I finally they glued it together and realized it was me. So I was very ecstatic and very excited. And uh, it was just an incredible, incredible journey. Oh, I bet. So um, just to recap again. So in, in, at the beginning in May, it was just a, a casting call, not specifying what it was for, correct? Well, we had no idea. I think okay. everyone, was, everyone was hoping. We knew that Obi-Wan was going to be filming soon. Yeah, so there okay. was some hopes. 
There was also talk of Book of Boba Fett filming, so we didn't know it could be that. But we didn't know what it was. Um, for all we knew, it was a commercial or a special red carpet event or sure. a parade or something. Mm-hmm. So we really had no idea. Um, okay. We had no idea what we were going into. Um, I think a lot of us guessed and we were hoping, but we really yeah. did not. Matter of fact, we didn't even know really even when we got there. Um, the, nobody, nobody told us officially what it was. That's how secretive it was. Okay, so speaking of not knowing really what it was till you got there, filming took place in LA. Um, yes. Did you drive down by yourself, or did you? Come I did not. I flew down. I live in Santa Rosa, and we have a great airport that's about ten minutes away from me. And so I flew down to uh, LAX. The only thing that was nervous was bringing my armor on the plane. Uh, yeah. Luckily, it was a flight. And I told the people, uh, you know, I told TSA, you know, what it was. And they were kind of, th- you know, thought it was kind of funny looking through my bin and stuff and showing my blaster and stuff. Let them know, you know, hey, what this is. Uh, I couldn't didn't tell them what it was. I just said it's a special thing we're going to. It's very important it gets there. Mm-hmm. So they looked and they did a special uh, uh, inspection. And so I and I watched it go on the plane, which made me very happy. So I knew it was going to get there. Oh, okay. and. Uh, um, and then, but of course, then we're landing in, uh, I'm landing in LAX, which is one of the biggest airports. And, uh, so that was a little nerve wracking. Uh, the other thing was that I was supposed to have a shuttle that was going to pick me up and then they canceled on me the last night. So I learned, uh, how to use uh, Lyft for the first time. And so that ended up actually working out. I had a guy come there with a big SUV, was able to get my bin in and everything and drove me right to the hotel. Nice. And, uh, and they put us up in a uh, nice little hotel. They were like, I don't know, embassy suites or something. I forget what it was exactly, but they were little, uh, little hotel, almost like a little, uh, little tiny studio apartment. It had a kitchen, had a you know desk writing area, nice little uh, couch area. I mean, it was like a little tiny studio apartment. It was very neat, and uh, um, and about five minutes away from where the where the um, the place was. Nice. So for those who were selected from. Um, the, you know, the SoCal garrison, um, did they also stay in the hotel or did they go home every day? No, no, no they didn't. Uh, I, they might've had an option, but, um, everyone that I know of just, you know, drove to it and we're going back home. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, did you, how long were you, were you there for? Well, let's see. I want to say, I, I think it was, oh man, how many days was it? It's, you would think you'd remember that. It was, I think it was a total of seven days. And then we had a week, we had the weekend off. So, um, I mean, it was like 10 to 12 days total. I forget exactly. So it might be a little bit longer. Um, I know that when the weekend hit, we were, none of us wanted to go out. It was during, you know, this was the height of COVID time. And so we all wanted to be careful. Uh, there was extreme COVID checking uh, through this whole thing. We had to get COVID tests cleared before we could even go. Perfect. And uh, then when we went down there, we had to have the very first day. We had a they had a testing on site, and we had to go there, and everybody had to line up get their tests. Uh, masks were to be worn. I mean, it was very careful. Like even even when we got there at the studios, they had areas that were, um, we had like little squared off areas. And that was like our personal area to leave our bin and do our changing and everything. So they had us all socially distanced, um, you know, and for the most part, unless you were changing in and out of armor, you were supposed to be wearing a mask. And, uh, so they were being very, very careful. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, which understandably so. I mean, you know, if, if there was a breakout that could have changed, could have shut down the entire production. And uh, so, you know, they were taking it very seriously and I felt very safe. I mean, I, I'm not one that's nervous about it, but it, if you were, you would have been feeling very, very safe there. They did a good yeah. job. Yeah. I, I, you know, the level of professionalism is, is uh, I would say, you know, without knowing anything about um, how that's done in L.A., but I'm sure it's very high, especially um, when it comes to, it was. to COVID. I was very impressed. Yeah. So when you were, um, when you checked into the hotel, um, did you get a walkthrough of the set or did you not no, see that? No, no, not at all. No, we, we checked in and then they, uh, everything was on a need to know basis. We didn't even know where we were going or anything until that night. We got an email out. Uh, we got an email saying, okay, everybody, call time is this time tomorrow uh, with the address of where we were going to go. And uh, so uh, a couple of us Ubered down down the road. Then we ended up realizing how close it was that we could have actually just uh, – and then later on they ended up – there was such a traffic jam the first day to get into the studio – um, they later on ended up coming up with a, a, a special parking plan and they had a fleet of buses uh, or like, you know, those, those like little private party buses. Um, and they they had them going constantly going back and forth. I mean, it was only about a five minute drive down the road, but they had us park at this parking lot uh, where we didn't all our parking was taken care of. And uh, then we would get on the bus and only so many people were allowed to be in the bus at a time. So if, if you were there and you couldn't get in and you know, there were only like five people per bus, like everyone had to be socially distanced, even in the bus. Mm -hmm. And they would also um, tote, Oh no, we were able to leave our armor there. The first day we had to bring our armor in and stuff. But uh, after a while, then we would just go down there park and, and it was like an endless stream of buses. You weren't waiting. It was literally, if you didn't get on one, there was another one coming back. It was really well and very efficient. Yeah. But so, um, no, so we didn't get anything until the very first day. And when we first day we get there and we check in, um, all cameras and phones or all phones were like, uh, you had to submit them and they put the special tape over it, uh, which taped over both camera uh, lenses. Mm -hmm. You had to, you know, Reassign, resign the NDA, and uh, and the NDA was, you know, if you broke it, I think you, uh, you know, owed you, old you, or um, I think they got your soul. It was so, it was so extensive, and uh, so we uh, filled out the NDA, and we had to sign it every day. Uh, um, there was a fresh one every day, and then, uh, then yeah, you went to the studio. And or went in and we were first shown, uh, you know, kind of where our area was. The first day was really more of an introduction and kind of the procedures, getting the paperwork done. Uh -huh. um, everything was super secret. So even just to walk out, we had to have these silk capes or they were silky material that you had yeah. to cover your 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 um, armor with. So. Uh, even just to go to the bathroom, even just to walk across the alleyway, mm -hmm. you had to have this black cape and put it over there and try to cover yourself as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the first day we were all assigned or uh, given our numbers, our um, assigned capes, our um, assigned areas where we would put our bins to change and everything like that. And um, 
Uh, and I guess we did finally go to the set, uh, but it wasn't like towards the end of the evening, I think. I mean, that was that was really like after lunch, if I remember right. And um, but the, the set was right across the little alleyway from where we were. Did you keep the cape? No. <laughs> Matter of fact, each day we had to turn it in and then that was where we got our paperwork so we were uh, each day we had to turn in our paperwork and it was it was like a fresh, fresh um, contract every day. And yeah. so every day you had to go do the NDA, you would go fill out your paperwork and you turn that in and then that would then you'd get your cape. And then afterwards, uh, at the end of the day, you gave him back your cape and then you got your little pink slip that you turned in and, uh, you know, for the hours that you worked and stuff. So that sounds awesome. I mean, it's, it sounds. It was, so it, was, it was. I have to say, I was just so impressed with how efficient yeah. and and good and the uh, all the people from from the studio were just so nice and friendly. I mean, they were very serious. You could tell they have a you know very serious job, and but they were very. And as the time went on, I would say they all became friends. I mean, we really just really got to to love these people. They were really nice. great, great sense of humor, good That's people. Awesome. So um, the the iconic, you know, shots from episode five of the uh, of the series shows you know all of you plus the the stunt um, folks right. in the front um, coming you know about to enter the base. Um, did you have other scenes that were not not you know pertaining to this to the sequence or? Like not to, uh, no. Not well, I mean, the only thing that the thing that that was, I mean, we it's amazing for how little footage is really, you know, or how quick it goes in the episode, but how much we filmed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and I realized, I mean, it's really interesting, kind of an uh, interesting uh, thing to see from the point of view with a different point of view. Like it makes me realize like, you know, movies you've seen like, you know, Saving Private Ryan or something like that, where they have that whole opening war scene. Yeah. I mean, it must've been weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of shooting to get what they got because this was just a few minutes and it took us, you know, what uh, I would say we, that whole opening scene where we were going into the cave was probably five days of shooting. Wow. And, uh, and a lot of that was, and I mean, we're talking, Sometimes some of the days were 12 to 14 hours of no, not straight. We'd go do like an hour or two and then we'd get a go a break. We'd all get our capes, go, we'd get our capes back, walk across the street back to our area. We'd get a suit out for a while. You know, everyone gets to go do a bathroom break or go down and get some food or something like that. And then, you know, uh, and then we were given like a 20 minute warning. You got to go back. And so we'd have to go suit up, armor up again, put back on the cape, walk across the alley to the other set and then, you know, give our capes back. And it was it was it was a real uh, procedure. But so much of that, I mean, we originally had it where we were all coming in off the ships and um, going into formation. That was shot from every point of view above front side left right you know i mean up down uh you know high angles low angles um and then uh later on then you know once we got into formation there were like close-up shots mm -hmm. there were then shots of you know and um in the end they ended up using just like a high shot and actually i have to say i kind of wish that they had done some of the other shots because we had it where they were roll these poor guys were rolling the cannon in that cannon was on wheels and they're rolling it in dirt 
And at first I thought, oh, man, those guys are so lucky. You know, they're getting the center spot. At the end of the day, we were all like, oh, thank God we don't have to do that. These guys had to roll that. That thing weighed a ton. <laughs> they had to roll it over and over every time we were doing it. I had to roll that cannon out into place. And I don't think that was even shown them rolling it out. Um, I think it was just there in the front. So, um but they were, but those guys were great. And I know one of the guys um, uh, was uh, maybe both of them were in the military and had done something with, I think, actually loading, you know, some kind of heavy guns and stuff like that. But, but they sure. they worked on the whole procedure of how to to load the uh, um, I don't know what, what the hell would we call them the uh, the the uh, the ammunition loaded up there, and that can was made especially for the shot. It was like a it was really detailed. I mean, like each little each um, piece of ammunition had little lights on it and everything like that. It was really cool and uh, to see up club. And uh, so these guys had to roll it out each time we went, got into position. And a lot of it was practicing, practicing, then we doing it over again, practicing, doing it over again. And then uh, so the stu- the first like two rows, I think, were all the stunts and the mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. And then we we were behind that. And then, uh, so we first had to get into place. Then we had to get it where we were, um, get it down where we knew that, uh, uh, Riva was coming in or Moses was coming in. And so then those guys had to get down their whole moves on how to move out of the way and make it so that they, um, so that she could walk through. And, uh, so, but yeah, shot after shot, after shot, after shot. And, uh, but yeah, you don't really know. It's funny. The only people that seem to really know what's going on is probably the director and assistant director. And it's all trickled down from there. So even when you're talking to the, um, the assistants there that are working with us, they don't know, you know, they go, I don't know. We know we're on a break right now. Uh, how long are we on a break? Uh, well, I think an hour, but we're not quite sure. And then they get word. Okay. Yeah. We're going to suit out. We're going to take a longer break, you know, and then they'd, Oh, never mind. We need you back. And so it was, um, you never knew really what was going on. And that's, wow. that's what was fun about it and interesting. It was really great to see it from a different side. I mean, that's, um, you know, what you described with taking, you know, taking shots from all different angles and then having so many people on set. Um, it just shows you how big of a production this was and how the seriousness behind it. Um, you know, and, and again, I don't know anything about filmmaking, but having all those shots taken, I guess, is just, you know, needed for, you know, to edit them, to edit those things yeah. together in the end. Exactly. That's what I realized is, I mean, it really came to me was I realized that they're doing these, you know, probably hundreds of shots. I mean, in the end that they got um, uh, or, you know, just so that they can look at, see in the editing room what looks best. How is it going to come together and what is going to, you know, look best on film? uh and come together and how they want it but if they if you didn't film all those then you'd be short you know and uh but they know exactly how to make it stuff yeah uh something that was interesting to me was whenever you see um any of that stuff and you're seeing the little sparks fly yes is they have they have a thing called zerks and they're basically paintballs that have Mm -hmm. I, i guess they have little magnesium uh inside of them and so when they were all ready, when we had the take and they were like ready to do the final stuff, they would have a guy hidden, hidden, you know, outside shooting paintballs at us or, well, they, they didn't hit us, but they were like, you know, all around us. And then uh, the stunts, they would 
they would tag little uh, little things on them that would uh, that would blow up and stuff and you know make it look like they got hit. And yeah. uh, but the thing that was challenging was when we were going in the cave, the stunts would fall. And they have the Rogue One armor, and their armor is much more flexible than ours. These guys can sit down, they can fall, they can get up, and uh, it's it, it doesn't the uh, the the legs wrap around each other. Actually, more like First Order, um, mm-hmm. uh, it wraps around almost like spring loaded, like the plastic overlaps itself. Mm-hmm. So as a result, when they bend over, it just kind of flexes and then goes back into place. And uh, so as a result, these guys could, you know, take falls, do things uh, and uh, and, you know, that we could never do. But as uh, any TKs out there know how limited our vision is from our nose down, when we're going to the cave, they're falling because they're getting shot. And we are trying to crawl over their bodies and, you know, continue on. And there were a couple of shots there where some of the guys went down. I mean, went oh, no. poof, you know, like, like, you know, flat on their face. Uh, and uh, so there were there were definitely some, you know, some uh, some, you know, things where we had to be really careful and we had to take takes. Um, that was one of the reasons when we went in the cave, it was becoming such a a jumble in there. I decided to take a left and go over to the side and uh-huh. do like cover fire. And actually I, there's a scene there where I can see myself. I am certainly no star. I am no hero in this whole thing. I am like a guy in the third row that, I mean, I can see myself, but it's not, you know, uh, I have no, no uh, delusions of grandeur here. I'm just happy. I got to be, I'd have the honor of being in this thing, you know, and, and being a part of it and seeing behind the scenes. But, uh, but at the same time, I, I can see myself. I mean, I know where I am and, uh, and then also I was given a DL-19 blaster. So that uh, um, that was the studios. It was uh, oh, nice. one of the hype. And so they, I mean, not given it, but, you know, right. as a matter of fact, I had to check it out. Every time that we'd go to on break, I'd have to give it back to them and they'd put it there with my name on it. And then I have to come back and get it again. And so, um, uh, but uh, yeah, everything was, was super organized. And, um, and then we even had our own handlers uh, that, so I guess, you know, it's a union thing. So they have their handlers for the actors. And then we had our own handlers that would help us, you know, they would come and wipe off our, you know, uh, if, if our lenses were getting fogged up, they'd come that, uh, my, the Velcro on my calf kept coming off. So they like put some white duct tape on the back, uh, you know, it was, uh, there was, we have red dust in everything that red dust, that red dirt got in like all my fans and everything. It's still there to this day, you know, but although not like I'd want it gone, it, it makes me happy. It's there. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I went through several battery packs and, and we had to wear masks because like I said, we were in the height of COVID right, and everything right. was so cool. So we had to wear masks underneath our helmets. And so, my problem was every time I'd pull my helmet off, it would pull it off my ear or put it on it would and twist it on. It would pull the mask off my ear. And then once I'm in there, it's like kind of getting in the fans and everything like that. Every time I pull my helmet off, uh, my mask would come off. I'd have to put it back on. And yeah, it was, that was uh, some of the hardships, um, which I'm sure you guys are all feeling very sorry for me for that you know, <laughs> very. <laughs> hard ordeal that I had to go through. Poor, poor guy. <laughs> But yeah, you all it was, wore it was, based based on that that 
iconic uh, group shot y'all wore um, balaclavas, correct? Um, over. Um, well, they they said if you wore those, you didn't have to wear a mask, and okay. uh, so that was that counted as face covering. So some of the people wore those. Yeah, um, I found it to. I, the one I have, I don't care for much, so I just wore the mask instead. Which was nice, because yours is, um, yours has your TK number on it, right? It does, yeah. Happened to, yeah. Happened to, it, was, it was very convenient that I happened to have a personalized mask that I got made a while ago when we were doing the mask thing, and so I was wearing one, and yeah, it has my TK number on it if you zoom in. Yeah. And, and I'm the guy on the very far, the, the last TK on the far left kind of um, of the picture, or if you're looking at the far left and um, right, but right behind the guy that's uh, wearing the tool shirt. Um, he, he was one of the helpers uh, and one of the handlers. Yep. And uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, anyways, we had great handlers. Um, uh, the two that really worked with me, by the way, uh, were uh, Jesse and Brian. And uh, I, I can't even think their last names right now, but uh, they were great. I mean, they were so fun, and and it was really neat. One of them got to stand in and actually do a um, one day of TK work. Um, Jesse did. Uh, it was really cool. She got to go in because um, she is a TK, and and there was one guy that had to go to like a funeral, so yeah. he had to step up for the day, and so she got to fill in. So it was kind of neat. She got to be in in it nice. too. Um, but uh, they were great. They were so helpful. They'd bring us water, um, gum. I mean, I chew gum all the time, and in there, you're, it was so dry. And uh-huh. I was constantly saying that we became a joke that they were my gum droid. And I'd just be like, gum droid? And they'd be like, oh, coming over. And they'd unwrap me a piece of gum. And, yeah, it was, it was great. And just, man, just the, we had so many great you know, lifelong friends now. I mean, everyone there was great. We had uh, people, probably the majority of the people were from Southern California Garrison, right. but we also had people from Central Valley um, and uh, Imperial Sands. I mean, I think they got all the garrisons in, in the state. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was pretty much all of us. Yeah, and, and um, you know, they needed, what, 46 TKs? I or? think it was 46, yeah. I think that they probably would have even liked more if, if possible, but... Uh, they definitely wanted, uh, you know, as many as they possibly could get, I think, yeah. as long as it matched the look. And, you know, I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Actually, I don't know. It was never announced to us as to what the criteria was. So I really sure, don't sure. know. This has been just stuff that we have guessed. Yeah. On. And everyone had very nice looking armor. That's really what, you know, there wasn't, uh, uh, the, uh, most of the people had really nice looking armor. Mm-hmm. So, in you know, really clean, really um, I think a lot of it was at Centurion level, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, nobody ever asked about that, but I just know that you know you could tell that that it was really good, good quality stuff. Did you have your um, when they asked for pictures? Did you have yours, yours handy um, from previous uh, you know things you had to do? Or no, actually, I took well, I, yeah, I took, I got my pictures together from previous things. I don't think mm-hmm. I took any special pictures. But uh, we put them together and, you know, I put them together in one little thing, photoshopped them all together. So I had one page, one single page that had the front, the back and everything and told my stats um, and then pictures of my blaster. So that was it. That's super exciting. Again, back to that picture, that group picture. Um, mm-hmm. We had, um, you know, show we had Moses Ingram shown and, and Deborah Chow and also um, Ewan McGregor. Um, yes. Have any 
did you exchange any any words with him? Was it time? Um, well, because we were in the COVID time, we did not really get to interact with him. Although we have one moment that was so cool when, uh, you know, the majority of the time we were filming there, they were not there. It was just most of our work was with Moses. Right. And by the way, she is just the nicest woman, just such a nice woman. And at one point we got to, we were kind of on a break and we were talking to her and we were looking at her armor all up close and we were just telling her how cool she looks. And she's all, really? You think so? Or, oh my gosh, you were just nailing it. And look, and uh, I mean, she is just the nicest woman. And it really hurts me that I heard that she got, you know, there was a lot of, I think in the beginning, you know, but there were some people that were saying they didn't like her. And, and you know what, that was the whole point. Her character was not supposed to be likable and um, she played it well. She's a great great actor and uh and very professional but yeah so we worked with her mostly and but she was so friendly uh one point i really made her laugh we when we were going into the cave um there were two scenes the scene where we actually are coming in there and uh, ned b gets shot and uh you know and and I can't think of her name, but when she does the thermal detonator and stuff, that was a whole mm-hmm. second set that we had to go to. Um, but when we went in there, we did practice over and over and over, running into the cave and where Moses then says, everybody get out. And we have to go back. And uh, and there was one scene there where, yeah, uh, they they call cut before she even nailed, got to say her line. And as we're walking back, I said, you know what? That was your best take. I said, I think you nailed it. And she <laughs> totally started cracking up because she didn't even get to say her line. And uh, right. but the people were just really cool. Uh, all the actors, the uh, um, uh, the the uh, stunts and uh, um, and one of the, the the one of the main guys that got us into this whole thing is Artishore. Um he is a stuntman, very, very um talented stuntman. And he's also in the Legion and the in the 501st. And he was, I know, uh one of the main people that originally was talking to Deborah and saying, like, you know, hey, you know, look, we can get these I can get the you know a crew. And then there was um, you know, he was one of the ones that definitely I know helped to put in the the idea at least of using us. And That's uh awesome. And so he was so he was great. And he he kept on coming back and talking to us and, you know, and and giving us some rah rah and, you know, getting us all excited and everything like that. But all the people that we worked with were just so friendly and really nice. And so we did have some interactions with um, Ewan, but it was kind of from afar because, again, everyone's terrified of COVID. And so uh, the very opening day when we first worked with him, the big doors open up. And, you know, and we're talking to them and then uh, and Artisher and him had, uh, you know, by this time worked together for a while. And so uh, um, he had, you know, had a, a pretty good relationship with him. And he and he goes, hey, Obi-Wan, we're going to come. Or I don't know if he said Obi-Wan or if you said Ewan, but he said, we're we're going to get you. And then he said, oh, yeah. And I forget what. um but Ewan said to me, he goes like, you know, oh, you guys could try. And I don't know how it happened, but all in unison, almost like we were like in the uh, in the real military, we all went, huh! and I mean, the whole room all went like <laughs> it was just the perfect answer. Like when he said, like, you're going to try and he goes, we're going to get you. We all go. Huh! And uh, I mean, all of us, it was just I don't even know how it happened, but uh, it was so great. And uh, so that. Um, in the very end, when we took the picture, that was probably the closest that we got to meet with him. And it was all from afar. There was no touching, but he said, you know, thank you and thank you. And that was also where we got to meet Darth Vader 
and not all of us got to work with um, the actor that played Vader. And that was not Hayden Christensen right. in that. It was a different actor, a uh, mm-hmm. stunt actor. But at the end of the very at the end of the shoot, we got to meet him and he had his mask off and was going and uh, kind of giving us a pound it and saying, thank you for your service to the Empire. And, uh, and it was really cool. And uh, but at the same time, I'm so spoiled from working with people trooping that it didn't hit me till later on how cool that was. I mean, at yeah. the time, I kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, you're Vader for the day. Right. Got it. Right. You know, are we going to go in a parade? I mean. Um, I, I think that's the thing that if I could tell anyone that was trippy about this was being in the Legion. It wasn't until it was just announced last week that this has hit me, that this thing was real. Up until this point, my brain has just not accepted it. And it's felt like a long troop is what it felt like. It just exactly. felt like it was. Yeah, because it's been a year and you can't yeah. couldn't talk about it. And- couldn't talk about it. Yeah. And and I mean, it was so hard. I mean, Marcus and I were hanging out at Celebration like we were hanging out the whole day there. Yeah. And I still badly wanted to tell him. And I was like, nope, can't tell him, can't tell him. And I think everyone, you know, was was feeling the same way. There were so many people we wanted to tell and we just couldn't do it. You know, we were um, for one thing, we didn't want to ruin it. We didn't want to do it. We didn't want to break any uh, thing, you know, or uh get Lucasfilm angry at us and we wanted to make sure that you know the secret was kept and as far as I can see I was looking for leaks on YouTube I didn't I find saw, I saw nothing I, I, I was looking for it but nothing ever came across the only thing I ever saw was like after the episode came out someone was uh guessing hey I I'm they were like looking at the armor and saying that looks like Legion stuff. This is good quality and it's different than the other stormtroopers. I think they might've used us. And that was the only thing I saw. And that was a person just guessing. And at first I thought, Oh no, but no. So no leaks as far as I can tell. And that no. makes me proud that all of us were able to keep our mouths shut. So. so when, when you, when you watch the credits of, you know, of each episode, um, and I didn't look at the first three, but on, on the fourth one, I noticed, you know, that it says we would like to thank, the California garrisons of the Fire yes. Legion, and then again, and then to me it was obvious. Okay, episode five, you know, you know, forty plus troopers. Yeah, it was obvious that was you guys. And again, you know, you were, you know, we thank the California garrisons, blah blah. So I knew you were in there. You know, the I guess all four garrisons, but um, it, you know, to, you know, to me it was obvious. Um, again, as they thanked you guys, but. Right. But it wasn't um, it wasn't made, you know, it wasn't confirmed, I guess, um, you know, to the general public, like, you know, but when when the picture was sent um, right. to you guys, OK, yeah, that, that, that's it. And I, I'm not sure why they why we had to wait. Uh, I'm guessing that maybe they just wanted to make sure that everybody had caught up for some reason. But it was mm-hmm. the episode came out on. I think it was what, June 15th. Because I know we were counting down the days, thinking that we could finally <laughs> talk about it, and then the episode came out. And we were told that we couldn't talk about it, so um, uh, so we had to button our lips even a little longer, which was hard. It was really hard once you saw it, and then it was like, no, we can't say anything. But we still held our held our tongues because again, I didn't find any leaks that I I, and I was looking for them. I thought someone's going to say something, or and yeah. I didn't. See anything. So that made me really oh. proud. You're all very good about it. 
no doubt. Um, so I've, I, you were asking, you were asking about um, cool things. Uh, I, I have a story. I think probably the coolest thing that happened to me, pro besides getting to be in this whole thing, was that uh, one of the. Uh, um, um, I suddenly can't think of uh, what are the um, not shock troopers, um, purge troopers, uh -huh. the new purge troopers. Um, they were really cool. These guys were, as a matter of fact, one of them gets shot, and later on in the tunnel scene, he's a TK. And I said, Hey, you were reborn. I mean, he's now <laughs> wearing a TK armor. But, uh, anyways, we were working with these guys, but because they were in the front, we didn't really get to see them. And so probably the coolest thing that happened to me was realizing this is going to be a new character that I'm sure they're going to use it in other things in the future uh, because, it's the, you know, kind of like Death Troopers in Rogue One and then now they were using the Mandalorian and I'm sure we're going to see more of them. So those costumes were apparently made just for this production and there were only – so there's only two of them. Oh, and, um, wow. And – on one of the breaks, uh, one of the guys was back there and he was talking to us and we were getting to check out his costume real close. And we're, and we, I mean, there were about five of us just totally looking at him. He's all, yeah, yeah, you can look. Like one of the details, like on the waistcoat, on the inside of the waistcoat, something that never shows up on camera is there are little itty bitty um, imperial cogs printed in on the inside of it. I mean, it's a detail that you would never notice unless you saw the costume up front, up close. Um, and then, uh, anyways, he says, you know, Hey, can you hold the whole my blaster? He's making an adjustment. I, I'm like, yeah. And I realized, Oh my gosh, I'm holding the guy's blaster. This is so cool. And, uh, then it's funny because I'm so used to trooping and you, and, and as we're talking to him, I just felt this kind of, you know, comfortableness, uh, we're, cause we're all doing this thing together. We've been working several days together and I talked to him and I said, uh, I'm like, Hey, I haven't really gotten to see the, the. The helmet can i see it up close he goes yeah and he hands it to me so i'm looking at it real close and it's really cool and i didn't even think about really the heaviness or actually the boldness of asking this but i said to mama hey can i try it on and he goes uh -huh. yeah <laughs> he goes yeah why don't you go in the back and so me and uh a uh, couple about three or i think three other people we all went into the back uh um it was Ray, uh, the two handlers, and me. Uh, we all three went back there, and, uh, and we're trying it on. And I'm just putting the helmet on, and, man, those lenses are really dark red. Mm -hmm. And and then we're all, like, taking turns. Well, man, that's really cool. Wow. And then we go for give back to him, and he's like, yeah, yeah, cool. And it wasn't until the next day that it hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh. This is a brand-new mm -hmm. Imperial character that we've never mm -hmm. seen he's going to be a black you know black series toy um undoubtedly someone's going to be trooping as him uh you know and this is and this will probably be a character that will be used in future things yeah and i tried on the helmet and wore it and looked out those and, and i was like going oh my god you know it wasn't until the next day that and i was trying to express to my wife I said, you know, think about the Empire Strikes Back, and if you were on set there and you just said, hey, Boba Fett, let me uh, try that helmet on, and you put it on, you're wow, that's pretty cool, and you give it back to the guy, and, you know, <laughs> later on you realize what a big character it was, and I don't think a Purge Trooper is going to be like that, but just the fact that, you know, here you are getting an opportunity to wear something, you know, that no one else is, the public had never seen, and say that you wore it, and that was probably one of the coolest things that happened on that whole shoot. How did how did it feel? How did it look on the inside? Any any fans or? Um, no, no. As a matter of fact, also all the stunts 
they're they're they were jealous of our stuff. They said, "Man, you guys got fans and everything like that. Yeah. They got nothing. It is almost the simplest helmet. Like they have just some padding on the inside, mm-hmm. um, and it just I mean, kind of like the foam padding that you know spreads out. Yep. And that was about it. No fans, nothing. And so uh, they were actually they were looking at our helmets like, going, what? Why? Why don't we get like cool stuff like this? Well, you know, you guys get all the headgear and fans and everything. They were they were kind of laughing at you know how how detailed our stuff was. And yeah. uh, but uh, no, yeah, because I was talking to one of the I became fr- really good friends with uh, one of the actors, uh, and uh, he was he's also he played uh, Tuscan Raider in um, uh, in in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, he was one of the Tuscan Raiders and that and stuff. So as a matter of fact, a number of them had just gotten off a of book of Boba Fett before uh, doing this. And so they were all and they were stormtroopers through this whole thing. So a lot of a lot of these guys had been the TKs that you saw in other scenes. Yeah. And I bet, uh, I bet um, this based on your description, you know, to me, it would have been a blur. And like you said, you realize things much later, you know, a day later or even like you said, a year later. Um, that this actually happened, that you were in it, that you were in a production that, you know, matches any great Hollywood productions out there. And it's Star Wars. And it's, I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm I'm really, really proud of you that you've um, got to do this for the first time. Some guys were there for the, you know, second time. Um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. There were, there were some guys there that had been in the Mando shoot. Yeah. And, uh, um, but, Everyone was just so great, such great camaraderie. Um, one of the things I was really happy about was uh, another guy from my garrison, Tim, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, we decided that each night, even though we were tired, I mean, when we went home, we were beat. I mean, you, oh, if yeah, you're a PK and you've done a troop, a long troop, mm-hmm. you know how tired you are. But being, you know, where you were suiting up, suiting down, suiting up, suiting down, you know, for Sometimes some days it'd be eight hours, other days they went long and, you know, um, and it was all under union rules. So like if it was overtime, then, you know, then they had to, they, you know, uh, compensated everyone. And, uh, you know, and then we got breaks, you know, if it was going longer than that, we get like an extra long break. And so, I mean, it was, it was very fair. It wasn't like it was, you know, grueling or anything, but I mean, if you've done any kind of troop, you know how hard it can be. And, um, but Tim and I decided that uh, to go out and really interact with the people from the Southern California garrison. And mm-hmm. so Shake Shack ended up being like our go to place. There was a place <laughs> down the street. And almost every night we're like, all right, let's go down to Shake Shack. And it was really cool because I really got to know a lot of the people there. Um, as a matter of fact, I got to meet one of the guys that uh, was one of the designers of of my armor. Um, actually, uh, he had worked on my armor, um, the armor kit that I have. So I got to ask him all these different questions. Uh, there was uh, just, you know, a lot of great people there. And I think if we had not gone there, even though it was really made it hard to get up in the morning and stuff, it was invaluable because we really got to know people just outside of our garrison. And yeah. uh, so uh, and it was fun. And then we'd ride back and i don't think every I, it was just me and him were the ones that really did that and later on we talked about it, we said you know i'm really glad that we did that it really added to the whole experience and uh um, yeah special yeah i'm glad you got to do this um did you meet hayden christians at all was was he not at all nope did not get to see him although we did get to watch them building the back tank 
they were building the back to tank set, which I don't even know if they showed the whole thing. They might have shown one shot of it. Most of them seem to be kind of close ups. Um, but they were the back to tank was part was right in, in the same set that we were where we had all our stuff, like where we were going back and our bins were have. I mean, these st- sound stages are so big. It's just I mean, it is just ungodly. It's 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 like you're in a, you know, like an indoor hangar or something like that for an airplane. I mean, it is so big. It's uh, you know, it's amazing. And so we were in one area and the other area. they were actually when we got there, we were like, what are they building there? And day after day, they're adding to it. The con- carpenters are over there and we actually got to watch within the time them finish the whole back to tank set and then the like one of the last days we had to all be quiet we were all over there waiting and everyone had to be quiet and they filmed some of the back to tank sets so we actually heard them you know heard him go in the water and we couldn't really hear most of it i mean we heard it just kind of you know muffled as to what they were doing but we definitely everyone had to be quiet and then they're okay you know, cut and then and everything, the lights, the fans, everything goes off when they're doing that. Then suddenly everything goes back on and, you're, you know, you're safe to talk. And um, so that was cool. But no, we didn't get to see him at all. So the only people that I got to see was Moses and um, uh, Ewan. And then I got to talk to uh, the guy that was Ned B. Uh, that guy is like seriously tall and uh, just yeah, a real nice guy. And Apparently, you, he was telling me that uh, I was asking him as we were doing a shot uh, coming out. I said, where do you see? And I guess his eyes are right there in the neck is where he was seeing. He was wearing oh, sort of, okay. like, the whole head, almost like a hat. And, uh, yeah, he was a real nice guy. And um, and he was at Celebration, by the way, wearing – he was, like, doing, a, like, a tall Yoda, like, in a dress. Not like a, oh, I, I, yes, I do remember that. That guy is the guy that was Ned B. No so way. Okay. You wouldn't even realize it that that was him. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. A real nice guy. And yeah. very tall. Very tall. I mean, you know, like I saw him when he was out of out of costume before we even when we when we first came on and they finally opened the doors. We were like, what was that inside? Who was that guy? Because we saw this tall robot thing and we didn't even know what it was. And, you know, all we know is we're shooting at them and, uh, you know, and they're like deflecting things and and dodging and stuff. And so that was pretty cool. And uh, uh, but that was like the last day was when when they finally opened up the blast doors. And then, you know, most of the stuff that we filmed, Mm -hmm. there was no it was only like the last day that we did that. Now I have I have a battle damage on my armor, which was kind of neat. Uh, um, uh, the last day, I was hoping to, it uh, unfortunately ended up on the cutting room floor. But they had me; they scared the crap out of me. They had me doing this one scene where, well, it, like I said, it was a traffic jam in there, and I decided I don't want to fall on my face, so I'm going to just go in on the left side of the door, and I'm going to go over to the left and do cover fire instead of trying to run through all these people just jamming in there. So I did that, and then at one point they 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 yell cut, and they because it's all done digitally, they can come out with an iPad and show you exactly what was just shot. That's and crazy. so one of the uh, APs comes over and she looks so serious and she's all, who is this? Hey, who did this? And they're showing me over there doing that and I thought, oh no, I've blown it. 
oh my gosh, I'm going to get sent home for this. I totally, you know, improvised and they're upset. And they said, uh, I said, ah, oh, that was me. I said, I was just trying to get, and they said, okay, they like that. And you're going to do that every time. And then they told this other guy, you're going to do it too. But unfortunately, I guess it, it ended up being on the cutting room floor. But at one point, the last day when they were shooting it, they were shooting Zerks all over the place. Yeah. And one of them hit me in the, it right in the right above my frown on my TK mask, and it actually made a little dent. And I swear that thing felt like no. someone had just gone and slapped me across the face. It was like, I mean, I, and I decided to keep on shooting. Maybe that's why I got cut because I, I didn't fall. Uh, but uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll keep on shooting. And I thought, yeah, I'll be the one TK that survived. But uh, yeah. anyways, uh, yeah. So I actually have some battle damage on my on my armor there. Uh, from a Zerk, yeah, but those things apparently have some power, but they were shooting them all over us. So you could hear them just the little magnesium things raining down on our helmets. And uh, oh so it was, it was pretty exciting. And, <laughs> but um, I did get to meet Ewan at Celebration. We did a little photo shoot and it was almost like a, uh, uh, you know, almost like a conveyor belt. They had it just like where you walked in, took yep. a picture next, you know, walked in take a picture next you know and uh we walked in there i said to him i said hey last time i saw you i was shooting at you in a cave and he takes a second look at me like what what are you talking about i said you know i and i i gave him the code word for the show and he goes oh because i i didn't want i could didn't even want to say what it was in front of anyone else i because i didn't want anyone else i just said uh, what the code name was and yeah, and so, uh, uh, and then he said, "Oh!" And then we took our picture, and then we left. But the, I got, I got a, an extra second of his attention by that. But so, uh, yeah, no, it was just the experience of a lifetime, and uh, I am humbled and blessed that I ever got chosen. And um, you know, it was, and I'm happy. There were some people that. Uh, there were some people, one of the things that really made me happy was at the very end, most of us were kind of stationed there where we were like going to be in that same position the whole time. Right. And when they did the Darth Vader shot, they flipped us around and they took the last couple rows off, which would have been the front rows. Right. And we got taken off set because they wanted a smaller group. So the people that were in the back now got to be in the front and they, they filmed the scene with Vader. And they dirtied up their armor. Um, and a lot of these guys were saying, I'm not wiping this off, you know. And um, the other thing that's interesting is if you look very carefully at all of our um, – um, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm having a brain fart here. Uh, if you look at our holsters, um, the, the stunts all had holsters that were Empire Strikes Back um, style. And they have the, little, the belt that goes on the outside of it and like hangs over the belt. Well, none of us were all a new hope TKs. So we don't have that. So they actually came with this special foam foam tape and had us put it all around the belt. So, um, uh, to make it so that we match the, the, the stunt actors. So every single one of us has our, has our holsters there, but we have now these, these, so I think all of us left it on there. We're all, I'm not taking that off. And <laughs> anyone wants to tell me that's not right, I'll say, nope, nope. It's uh, Obi-Wan. Uh, it's Obi-Wan armor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. We'll have to get a new CRL for those two pieces of tape. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So before I let you go, and I really appreciate your time um, talking about this, um, 
last shot, I guess they call it's a wrap. What was what was that like to be to to have it all wrapped up? It was uh, well, for one thing, it was it was it was uh, it was late at night. I mean, like it was like I don't know. I mean, by this time, I think we'd been working all day. All the guys that got sent back, we had been sitting around for. Oh, I don't know, four hours or something like that, four or five hours just on call, basically, those guys while they were filming those last scenes with Vader. Mm -hmm. So then they told us to suit back up and go back in. We thought that maybe we were going to do another shot. Mm -hmm. But it turns out to be that that was the one where they wanted to do the group photos. We okay. all got to meet Vader um, and we got to meet uh deborah and you know up until this point we really didn't have a lot of interaction with deborah um she was you know doing the directing but she's doing her job you know and she's not coming over and you know talking with us and interacting we're just you know basically extras we're props in sure. the background you know and we were never treated you know bad but it was it was pretty clear that you know we we're here for a purpose we're here to make every, the scene look good but we're not you know we are not actors and we are not uh we're not stars you know we're just you know we're bodies and uh, that could be done by cgi and they're giving us this incredible opportunity instead and so um so that you know uh, so this was the first time like we were really thanked uh as a group and she got him you know she you know everyone went up and we kind of got to walk by and say hi to to ewan and he thanked us um that was when darth vader came up and unmasked and you know told us all thank you for our service one by one and gave us a little fist bump and um and then they 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 did quite an, a lot. They actually had a guy bring in this huge ladder, and uh, and he was taking the, the the group shots from there. And so they had us move around a couple different times and different positions. And uh, that was the one that was chosen uh, to you know to release. I don't know where those other ones happened. What happened to those other ones? But uh, anyways, yeah. So that was. It was kind of unreal. It was kind of unreal. And then I know they asked certain people to come back for some uh, extra shots that they wanted to do, some pickup shots. They were asking if everyone was available. I was not able to be myself. I had a flight. I had to fly home. And so I knew that uh, that wasn't going to work out for me. Uh, but uh, but then I heard later on that uh, that they just – they, they didn't need them as long as they thought they were going to. Like, I think it was like only a half day or something like that. And I don't even know. They were so secretive. I'm with, I, this is how good the, everyone was, was that even the people that did the pickup shots didn't want to tell us what the pickup shots were. Oh, okay. So, you know, we're like, well, we're in it. They're like, well, you'll have to see. So everyone was super on definitely honored all their, you know, NDAs and stuff, even to the point that we didn't want to share with someone that wasn't on the set. So, um, yeah. So I don't know exactly what was filmed in there, but there was another day that they did. But I think they made it sound like they were thinking there was going to be a couple days. And I think it ended up, they got the rest of their shots in a couple hours. So, um, but we were well fed. Um, they took care of all our travel and everything like that. Um, they, uh, you know, they have, uh, I mean, this is just union stuff, but I mean, you go there and in the morning they had breakfast and they had everything you could want. They had, uh, juices they had an omelet bar you could get sausage jigs whatever they had vegetarian they had uh, vegan stuff they had yeah. salads a barista there that would make anything you wanted they had a whole snacks and everything and um i didn't want to eat too much because i was terrified that i was gonna have to go to the bathroom in my armor and as 
anyone that's a TK knows how much fun that is. Um, so I was trying not to drink too much coffee or too much fluids and, you know, so, um, but it was, but everything, the food was great quality and, uh, yeah, it was uh, overall, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but definitely worth it and more, way more fun than it was hard work. That's for sure. I think every one of us is so honored and, um, it just didn't really feel real, to tell you the truth. It just did yeah. not feel real. Yeah. It, it seemed like you, had, you guys had a good time. Everybody everybody who posted um, their memories um, on social media just was just, you know, over the, um, over the top with their praise and, and um, everything, everything else. So, it, uh, again, you know, uh, we're all very proud of you guys for doing this. And hopefully there's something... For the future, um, for a for a repeat. That's what I hope too. I hope that this hope that we did a good enough job that we were that we made them happy, and that they will give this opportunity to other members, and that you know this will be something that is an ongoing relationship. And uh, you know, I mean, here they were filming here in Southern California, but I mean, I know, you know, they film in other areas. They're always going to want to try to pull from the areas, you know, where they are, where the people have to travel least. So, you know, I mean, that was our good fortune being here in California. But I'm sure if they were filming something on the East Coast or I know like Georgia has been a place where they've done filming in the past. So I'm sure yeah. that that would be. They're not going to call on California garrison people to fly all the way out there. You know, they're going to they're going to want to make it where travel is is a minimum. Yeah. But um, but no, I, I just have to tell you, I'm blessed. I'm absolutely blessed that I got this opportunity and I'm humbled that I got this opportunity. And, uh, you know, there um, everyone that everyone that was on there was just I think all felt the same. I don't think any of us had a big head about it. And, uh, Good. you know. So it was it, it was it was a really neat opportunity and talk about an item being on your bucket list that you didn't even know was on there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I forgot to write being Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that that should have been at the top of the list, but I didn't it didn't didn't make it on there till afterwards. Um, you're funny. But again, Craig, thank you so much. And um, I, you know, I hope to see you soon. Um and may the force be with you, man. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Thank you. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you're listening to the 501st cast. This is the cast you're looking for. I know it seems like a long, long time ago, but we wanted to share some of the ways our garrisons around the world celebrated May the 4th. Our Costa Rica garrison had a double troop for May the 4th. They visited Yorkin High School, where the teacher organized a fundraiser to help the Iron Chicks Foundation, an organization which helps and supports pediatric cancer patients and their families. The students raised money themselves, and the school itself added to the donation as well. And as a reward for their fundraising efforts, the 501st Legion was invited as a surprise for the students. Costa Rica also attended an event at Oxygenio Mall, who had organized several special activities such as a costume contest and a photo booth with our troopers. Attendees to the event had the option to donate money towards a retirement home for poor elderly people, and the mall management also added a donation of their own to that cause. 
Four members of Empire City Garrison visited the Cohen Children's Medical Center of New York the evening of May 4th. Originally, it was unclear how much interaction our troopers would be allowed to have, but luckily, when they arrived, they were told authorization for a full visit and a tour of every floor was granted. So they visited nearly every room, taking photos with the kids and their families. They handed out our trading cards and coloring books donated by Ron to the children we visited. The staff throughout the hospital were excited and appreciative for our visit, and our troopers took photos with many of them as well. It was an incredibly profound and rewarding experience for all of them, and the perfect way to spend May the 4th. We were all proud to bring smiles to kids' faces who are going through a tough time. Four members of Empire City Garrison attended the Star Wars product launch event at a Vera Bradley store in a local mall thanks to invites from Lucasfilm. Although attendance was light, since it was in the middle of the workday, the store manager and staff were very appreciative to have our troopers there. They had fun taking photos with customers, staff, and random folks in the mall. In my own, own home garrison, Imperial San Garrison, kicked off the May the 4th with three events in the San Diego area. There was the USO at Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton, Mason Elementary School in Mira Mesa, and the Escondido Library. After May 4th, there was no time to sit down as and rest, because they had to gear up again that Saturday for four separate free comic book day events, including a return visit to the Escondido Library. They also visited the Mission Hills Library, along with two comic book stores, Kamikaze and Panels Comics. It is a time of great rejoicing for some of the troopers. These events were their first since before the pandemic, and we're definitely glad to be out trooping. Our Portuguese garrison received a special extension from Lucasfilm and was able to celebrate May the 4th at three different Toys R Us locations on May 14th and May 21st. Through the efforts of the Portuguese garrison and Lusitanian Outpost Rebel Legion, 1,100 euros was raised, uh, and those funds will be used to purchase toys that will be delivered to two institutions for children. Our Death Star Garrison spent a couple hours of their May the 4th at a bookstore. In addition to promoting the name of the 501st Legion, carrying out more recruitment for the Imperial ranks, 200 children's books were donated to be sent to Acesa Capuava in Valinos, which treats children with multiple disabilities, autistic and Down syndrome, with ecotherapy. For the first time, Costa Rica held a comic on May 7th and 8th. This was a long time coming after numerous months of planning and a forced hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The event was initially scheduled for the last quarter of 2020, but even back in its early planning stages, the organizers contacted the Hartwell's Legion to support the event. Costa Rica Garrison rose to the challenge to create a Star Wars display along with Rebel Legion, Costa Rica Base, and Saberville Christian Temple. The Comic-Con's main attraction was the bravest Middle-Earth war human himself, John Reese Davis. The garrison organized a special presentation with with Mr. Davies, where they made him a friend of the Costa Rica garrison. On both days of the con, there were 40 members deployed in various roles, such as handlers, booth keepers, and obviously trooping. At the end of the event, they provided support for the special announcement for next year's event, special guest Carrie Jones, who played the Wookiee Bounty Hunter, Black Descentin, on the Boca Boba Fest. Needless to say, Costa Rica Garrison is already planning for next year's events. Thanks to Grand Admiral Ed for that report. The Portuguese Garrison was invited by Castello, Association Nomeo Donada, for a very special birthday on May 13th. The Nomeo Donada IPSS Association implemented a continuing and palliative care unit for children from 0 to 18 years old. 
It is a pioneering project in Portugal, which encompasses all children with chronic pathology. This invitation was special and a little sad, because a two-year-old boy with a serious illness whose clinical condition had worsened, and the association wanted to have a small party for him and his twin brother, who is healthy, because they don't know it could be the last birthday they would share together. Thanks to DZ12702 for that report. Empire City Garrison appeared at the Cradle of Aviation Museum's third annual CradleCon on Saturday, May 14th and Sunday, May 15th for several hours each day. This event featured cosplay, guests, artists, vendors, and exhibits with all the proceeds going to support the nonprofit museum. Empire City Garrison was joined by members of Rebel Legion's Echo Base and Saber Guild's Endor Temple, as well as James from the R2 Builders Club. Empire City Garrison has appeared at the museum over a dozen times in the past, and this is one of the more crowded events. There was a steady stream of guests throughout the day in the thousands, and wherever they went, they would be stopped for photos. But they had a great time taking photos with guests, handing out the trading cards, and checking out the exhibits at the museum. Although a bit exhausting navigating through the crowds and running Blast Trooper and holding a raffle event, it was all worth it. They managed to raise $400 for the Cerebral Palsy Association of Nassau County. ECG was proud to be there to help raise awareness of the museum and much-needed funds for CP Nassau. The museum was incredibly appreciative of our members' presence there, and they plan to continue to have ECG back for future events. We'll have a link to a video in our show notes where you can see the last trooper station in action. Thanks to Chris, TX6744, for that report. Three 501st Legion Troopers were selected by Lucasfilm to appear at the Disney Upfront 2022 event that took place Tuesday, May 17th, from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. at Basketball City, located at Pier 36 in New York City. Empire City Garrison's Steve, TK-3295, and Garrison Excelsior Troopers Don, TK-88222, and Ryan, TK-91593, were chosen for the event, along with Bill, TK-20177 from ECG, as their handler and photographer for the day. Disney showcased the various corners of their portfolio, including Disney+, Plus, Disney Films, Disney Parks, ESPN, Hulu, FX, and ABC. In addition to Disney CEO Bob Chapek, film, TV, and sports personalities came up to the stage to discuss upcoming network, streaming, and cable content. Marvel's Kevin Feige also came to the stage to deliver news of Marvel projects coming to Disney+. In a segment where Peyton and Eli Manning were showing video messages from two sports figures, the video abruptly switched to Star Destroyers, dropping out of hyperspace on the big screens. Concurrently, as the Imperial March was played, three stormtroopers came out onto the stage to apprehend the Mannings and usher them off of the stage. At the conclusion of the event presentation, the troopers mingled and took numerous photos with the guests. Thanks to Bill, TK20177, for that report. So, as we mentioned, two of the troopers from my garrison attended this event, and I was most amused to find that the thing that Ryan, TK91593, found most memorable of this whole experience, uh, and they met lots of celebrities, but... But the part that he likes to share the most is that the rock smells good. <laughs> I was like, okay. Good to know in case I ever meet him. Yeah. Does he, does he, uh, do you say what he smelled like? No. <laughs> Just that it was good. He could smell what the rock was cooking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're staying uh, in, in ECG because they attended the Cold Spring Harbor High School Wind Ensemble Star Wars themed concert the evening of Wednesday, May 25th. 
ECG was invited to this event due to the fact that Brent TD22071 is also the conductor slash instructor of the school's orchestra. He thought it would be a great idea to surprise the kids during the set as they played the Imperial March. They were very surprised as our troopers came marching down the aisle as the theme played. ECG had a great time after the concert as well, taking photos with staff, attendees, and students, handing out cards, and adding to the excitement that night. This also marked Ron, SL5928, 500th troop with the Legion. Congratulations, Lone Vader. Thanks to Chris TK6744 for that report. Empire City Garrison was invited to attend the Ronkonkoma Street Fair, and Joe, BH91452, Justin, TB52503, answered the call. Although they were originally going to set up a table, after surveying the busy scene, they decided it best to stay on the move, and thus began the adventures of Mando and the other guy, who was a scout trooper. It was a beautiful, hot, sunny day, and our members were very well received by the crowd. They took countless pictures with children and adults and gave out all of their trading cards. While walking through the crowds, they took a small survey to amuse themselves during the event. They found the following. A hundred and one people asked us if it was hot in our costumes. Four people called Mando Darth Vader. Forty-three people called the Scout Trooper a Storm Trooper. Two people said, we have horrible aim. And everyone. Everyone loves Baby Yoda. All in all, ECG would love to return to this event again. Thanks to Justin TB52503, a.k.a. that other guy with Mando. On May 30th and June 1st, our Portuguese garrison had a trio of hospital visits to commemorate Pediatrics Week and World Children's Day. The first stop was at Hospital de Saint Joao in Porto, where two 501st members and a Leia from the local Rebel Legion visited the children who were hospitalized there. On June 1st, three members of Portuguese garrison, joined by Ray from the local Rebel Legion base, visited the Hospital de Santa Maria at the invitation of Ronald McDonald Children's Foundation to help celebrate World Children's Day. Members visited the children who were there on the 2nd, 6th, and 9th floors and interacted with some children before the start of the play they were going to watch. A little later that same day, TI-41031 from Portuguese Garrison plus Leia from the local Rebel Legion base headed to Senora de Ora Health Center in Porto to visit with the children hospitalized there as well. What a wonderful way to spend World Children's Day. Thanks to Leticia, DZ-12702, for those reports. Seven members of Empire City Garrison attended the Malvern Comic Fest on Saturday, June 4th. This was a small pop culture convention with comics, guests, gaming, and cosplay, sponsored and organized by Rocky's Comics. And it ended up being much more crowded than expected, with a steady stream of kids and adults throughout the event. Some of the featured attractions were the cast of the Warriors movie, various wrestlers, and various vendor tables. Um, they did set up a table and a backdrop, but due to the layout, they decided it would be better to walk around and take photos on the convention floor, plus there was a, already a convention photo booth type area, so they did a lot of pictures over there. They had fun posing for photos and acting as, quote-unquote, security as they walked uh, the floor throughout the event. The event also marked some important milestones for three ECG members. It was the debut of both Patrick's TK3755 and Justin TK52503. They're a New Hope Stormtrooper costumes. Great work on those guys putting those together. Justin was also presented with his May 2022 ECG Trooper of the Month Award. So congratulations on that. And then this troop, 
like we kind of mentioned earlier already, but it marked Ron Lone Vader, SL5928, his 501st troop for the 501st Legion, which I think is more important to celebrate anyways than just the simple 500th troop. But either way, incredible accomplishment. Thank you to Ron for all you do and coming out so often to support so many wonderful events. And thanks to Chris, TK6744, for that report. And we're going back to Brazil, where on June 6th, Death Star Garrison was invited for the first time to participate in a civic parade to celebrate the anniversary of the Kodairopolis city. It was a great night for the Congress Legion to many people who were not aware of our club. Empire City Garrison was invited to attend the Staten Island Ferry Hawk Star Wars Night on Saturday, June 18th. Climbing aboard the Imperial Shuttle, Joe, BH91452, Mark, TD52490, and Joe, TX17824, and Justin, TB52503, made the long traffic-filled journey. Squeezing into a parking garage, they hefted their gear along with a beautiful waterfront to the stadium. The team was very happy to have us. We were welcomed with open arms along the, with the Saber Guild and Mando Mercs. The team provided volunteers with a large shared changing room down below the stadium and gifted them food vouchers for after the troop. Since it was Star Wars night at the stadium, the air was filled with the music we love. Our troopers stationed themselves by the entrance to keep a close eye on the Saber Wielders and remain ever watchful for rebel invaders. They kept the children safe from being drawn to the light side by the Jedi by posing for many pictures with them and handing out trading cards. The view at the game was breathtaking, and although attendance to the game was a bit light, our troopers had a great time. Unfortunately, disciplinary actions may need to be enforced with two troopers as TX-17824 and TB-52503 were caught playing a game the citizens called Jenga while they were supposed to be on patrol. An investigation is underway, but no charges have been filed as of the time of this report. Thanks to Justin, TB-52503, for that report. Empire City Garrison had two troops on June 24th. First, Chris, TI-6744, and Mark, TD-52490, attended the Cerebral Palsy Association Hydration Day at their Children's Learning Center. Their task was to greet attendees at an outdoor hydration fair at the CLC playground and take photos with participants and staff. This is a special program to promote hydration for participants in the agency with disabilities and the staff who support them. They had some free water bottles, snacks, and activities for attendees, and they wanted the 501st there to add some excitement to the event. They had over 150 attendees throughout the event, and troopers had a great time handing out their trading cards and interacting with them. It was a clear but hot day, but they managed to stay in the shade and keep cool for the two hours that they were there, which is good, as it would have been really embarrassing to pass out from heat stroke at a hydration event. So thanks to Chris, TI6744, for that report. Many of our garrisons have helped their local libraries kick off their summer reading programs. Empire City Garrison was invited to attend the Islip Public Library's summer reading kickoff on Friday, June 24th. The library had set up an event filled with family fun, including magicians, balloon twisting, and all sorts of fun crafts and lawn games. Descending on the event was Lord Vader himself, Ron, SL5928, accompanied by Mark, TD52490, a Sand Trooper Sergeant, and an elite scout trooper, Justin, TB52503. The librarians were delighted to see our members and offered their conference room as a base of operations for the event. They were even kind enough to offer them refreshments and a wonderful gift basket as a raffle prize for future events. Once suited up, they emerged to patrol the event and were very well received. 
This event was obviously filled with loyal subjects of the Empire. ECG members posed for many pictures and handed out fists full of trading cards, all while keeping a watchful eye out for rebel insurgents. Lord Vader took a ride in the TARDIS. He later used a Jedi mind trick on an unsuspecting vendor to get himself a free vanilla ice cream cone uh, he didn't share. He was baffled by bubbles and received a declaration of loyalty from one of the visitors of the event. The loyal sand trooper was ever watchful for Jedi while taking the time to high-five all the children. His massive T-21 rifle was a hit among the kids. He posed for lots of pictures, yet remained vigilant. The scout trooper took time to help the younglings train to fight off alien Ewoks with a game called Space Invaders. The children took turns to play with the scout, and the world is a little safer now. He later camouflaged himself among the foliage and flowers to keep an eye out for rebels. It was a small but wonderful event. The coordinators were gracious and sincerely happy to have us. The setup was very well planned, and the library itself was quite beautiful. There was a nice steady flow of attendees, and ECG was kept ever busy. Our troopers all agree that given the opportunity, they would be happy to attend future events at the Islip Public Library. Thanks to Justin, TB52503, for that report. On June 25th, troopers of Star Garrison's Imperial Rough Riders Squad were joined by members of Kessel Base and Shukum Temple to participate in the 2022 Pride Bigger Than Texas troopers marched as a group to celebrate hope and awareness of equality and diversity. The 2022 parade event was designed to recognize, accept, and celebrate the differences and contributions of the LGBTQIA community. We'll have a link to a group vote on Facebook so you can check out the creative ways members incorporated rainbows into their costumes. Thanks to Paul, DZ27949, for that report. Empire City Garrison attended Eternal Con at Hofstra University July 2nd and 3rd. It was a mid-sized con that included entertainment guests, movie cars, comics, toys, panels, and more. The setup and changing situation was sorted this year, and ECG had a large locker room to change. Our troopers had a great time interacting with guests, taking photos, and raising money for Operation Splash, a local non-profit hoping to, not just hoping, helping to clean up Long Island's waterways. ECG had a large prize basket that they were raffling off with items donated by their members, and they ran blasted troopers sporadically throughout the event to raise even more donations. Over the two days, they managed to raise $565 total for the organization. Both Emily Swallow, the armorer in The Mandalorian, and Demetrius Vestrevsky, Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan series. They both visited ECG's booth in between their signing and photo op engagements. They took some photos with them, spoke to them before and after their panels, which was a thrill. The con was very well attended, and ECG hopes to be invited back for their winter con event in November. There were a number of prospective members who visited the 501st booth. All were in various stages of getting their costumes ready for approval, and ECG was happy to provide guidance and advice, and hope to have them join our ranks. Thanks to Chris, TI6744, for that report. My Garrison, Garrison Excelsior, attended the Town of Arundacoit's 4th of July Festival for the first time. We had a great spot on the lawn of the town campus, but it was right near the large gazebo with the patio area, so perfect for the troopers to pose for photos under the shade of the gazebo. And then we had the droids out that were able to roll around on a patio. They don't do too well on grass. We collected donations for Red Cross Ukraine during our four-hour appearance and raised nearly $150. 
We never realized, so we were packing up our booth, that we were stationed across the way from this gorgeous, huge monument. It's like, I don't even know how tall, 12 feet tall, that commemorates 100 years of Ukrainian immigrants in the Rochester area. So it was, it was perfect that we were fundraising for Red Cross Ukraine right there. The town has already asked about us coming back to their Winterfest this November, too. Our Philippine garrison and their counterparts in the Rebel Legion and Fight Saber trooped Toycon PH on July 8th through the 10th. They would like to extend enormous thanks to all who visited them at the show and made a donation to Make-A-Wish Philippines. Thanks to attendees' generosity, they raised 33,000 Philippine pesos, or about 585 U.S. dollars, for Make-A-Wish. Our troopers were happy to once again be reunited with their Toycon PH Philippine Toys, Hobbies and Collectibles Convention family, whom they've been partnering with for 17 years and counting together. This is a 501st Cast special report. So we have with us a special guest on the 501st Cast who is not only a 501st Legion member, but now uh author so and a uh, subject that is near and dear to our heart cosplay so welcome andrew liptak tk3220 from new england garrison and congratulations on your new book i'd love to hear more about it thank you um it's been a pleasure to it's a pleasure to be on and um yeah happy to chat about the book um it's a it's a book it's a book about it's called uh, cosplay a history um, the, the title on the cover, the, the long academic title is Cosplay of History, the Builders, Fans, and Makers Who Bring Your Favorite Stories to Life. And um, it came out back in June, and it's basically my take on the history of cosplay, it's looking at the um, not just the, the modern-day stuff, but like where did cosplay come from and how does it relate to us as um, fans and, and as storytellers. I noticed you had a special person who has also spoken a lot about cosplay uh, do the foreword for your book. How did that come about? Yeah, Adam Savage of the of Mythbusters fame. Um, so how that happened is kind of a fun story. He um, so in addition to being a final first member and cosplayer, I have been a, a journalist. I've worked for a variety of sites like io9, uh, Gizmodo, uh, Tor.com, The Verge, and a whole bunch of others. And just over the course of the, t- the time that I was a working as a journalist, I had the opportunity to interview Adam. Um, I want to say the first time I interviewed him was for um, io9 because Mythbusters was coming to a close. So I interviewed him and Jamie, um, sort of like one of those press junket calls where, you, you know, you get like five, six minutes with a person. You get to ask a couple questions and then you move on. And, um, you know, so that was fun. But then I, um, a couple of years, uh, like a year later, or a couple of years later, I had the opportunity to interview him because he was going out on a live stage show uh, called Brain Candy Live. And um, he was coming up to the New England area. And I, I don't remember if we reached out to him or, or his, his team or if his publicist reached out to us, but we had the opportunity to interview him. And so I, I drove down to Massachusetts and had the opportunity to basically um, have a sit down chat with him for about an hour um, before the show. And we just talked about a whole bunch of things about like making and cosplay Um yeah, brain candy live, obviously, and just the idea of, of um, you know, science education and, you know, that sort of, that sort of thing. It was a, it was a pretty wide ranging conversation. And I just sort of stayed in touch with his publicist folks, um, because I, I went, was soon sent out to go to, 
uh, New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con, and he obviously does a lot with cosplay when he goes out to those big conventions. And um, I think uh, when I went and saw him in San Diego, we talked about spacesuits, and he had a, a replica, or he had a, one of the screen used um, spacesuits from Alien, uh, the fifth Alien movie. I can't remember the title off the top of my head. The sequel to Prometheus. Um, and um, yeah, so we basically it was just sort of you know, interviewing him about the stuff that he liked to talk about. And, uh, you know, the, this book came about around 2016 and I'll, I can get into that in a minute. Um, but so I, I sort of knew that I wanted to write about cosplay in a, you know, sort of book form. And so when the time came, when we actually sold the book and got to, you know, actually getting the details down, he was one of the first people I, I you know, he and a team I reached out to and basically said, look, I'm, I'm writing this book. I'd like to interview you for it. Uh, which I eventually did get to do in 2019. Um, I was invited out to the Rise of Skywalker premiere and um, basically made a work trip out of it. I, I flew in a couple of days early, went to San Francisco, talked, chatted with him in his cave, and then took the train down and did the Star Wars stuff and then came home. And um, he, he provided a lot of really good detail about um, sort of the, the 1990s, um, the rise of like the replica props forum and the importance that that site had in the, the cosplay world. And then um, when the book, you know, when the book was done, and we we started trying to figure out what do we what should we do about um, the forward, you know, Adam was the the first and really the only choice that I had to like for somebody to introduce the book. And happily, um, his team agreed, and they wrote, he wrote up a great forward, and it's now in the book. That's awesome. So why don't you backtrack a little bit, like you had mentioned, and and talk about how this whole you know idea started with you, and how long ago, and how much you've been working on it. <laughs> yeah. So this this came about in twenty. So I want to say twenty fifteen. Uh, so actually, let me go even a little bit further back because it, you know it's a history thing. Um, <laughs> I've been writing for various sites, um, you know, about two thousand nine to you know up until now. Um, I've written for a whole bunch of places and. Along the way, I've written about science fiction books, and along the way, I, I wrote about a whole bunch of books um, from Saga Press, which is edited by a guy named Joe Monty, and he's he's the, the lead editor for that imprint. They, they basically, it's part of Simon Schuster, and they publish science fiction fantasy novels. And I want to say 2015, he was at San Diego Comic Con, and he came across a um, the story of a 501st member who had marched 501 miles from Rancho Obi-Wan down to the convention. Um, I can't for the life of me remember off the top of my head what the name of the, the trooper was, but he had lost his wife to cancer and was basically using the, you know, marching in armor to, as a way to raise awareness for, um, uh, and, and money for, for the cause. Yeah. I'm and, blanking uh, too. It's Kevin something. Okay. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm yeah, forgetting it, your I last name. I looked up a while back and it, yeah, it, 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 it um, I looked it up a while back. And Kevin, I, Kevin I Doyle. Doyle. On the, okay. What was it? Doyle. Kevin Doyle. Yeah, I think that, that sounds about right. And anyway, so so Joe was really moved by the story, and he basically, I want to say February 2016, he reached out to me and said, like, you know, hey, you know, I want to have an idea I want to chat with you about, and which is always a little ominous when you have, like, a, an editor of a big imprint, like, email you as a reviewer, like, oh, great, what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> But he wanted to chat about the 501st. And he's like, you know, he, he sort of knew about it and he knew that I was a member and was just sort of curious about like, what is, is there a story here that we could, you know, look into writing? And so I, I did a little bit of, you know, yeah, we could, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, the 501st had at that point only been around for 20 years. So 
not really a history thing, but you know, there's a lot to write about. It's, you know, and just you could do. You know, we basically put together a beat by beat um, outline of you know what were what was the how did the Bible first come about and what how did it expand and become this big thing that it was um, at the time. And um, you know, we never quite got that version up off the ground for a whole bunch of reasons. But as I was doing that version, um, I had put a chapter about like you know what's the history of cosplay because as a historian. I was, you know, I'm always looking for context. Like, what is, you know, the, you can talk about the the hit, the 501st as its own thing, but like, what is the larger story around it, and how does it fit into this larger entertainment world that we find ourselves in? So, um, you know, I, I I put this chapter in, thinking, all right, well, I can talk about fandom and co- Comic Con and sort of, you know, boom, 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 and and sort of just take the audience up to speed. But as we were developing the project a bit, you know, I began to realize like this is a much bigger story than just one chapter, you know, I can, I can go back a whole long ways. I can, you know, go into a lot more depth. And so basically what happened is that I, I repitched, we basically end up, I got a new agent and we repitched the project and, um, looked at it from a more holistic sense. So like, what is, what is the larger history cosplay? What does it mean for us as fans in this entertainment world? What does it mean, um, when you are like part of a fan community that is reinterpreting what you see on the big screen or on a comic book or TV show or, or wherever you're getting your inspiration from. And more importantly, like where did this idea of costuming come from? Not just, uh, you know, obviously the, the fan costuming element. And, and, and to do that, we had to sort of look at the deeper history of fandom and, you know, why, how do we become fans? And going even further back, how do, where did the idea of, you know, dressing up in costume come from? And like, why do we dress up in costume in the first place? So, you know, you, we can, you know, I take that story back all the way to antiquity. You know, the, there's a very rich theatrical tradition of, of wearing costumes. And, um, you know, so we go all the way back and then sort of bounce around the timeline a bit, just trying to figure out like, all right, like, why do, you know, when do we start wearing costumes as fans? And then how did that, whole thing evolved and you know then where did the power first come from and, and um so yeah along the way it was that that's sort of like the bigger longer um evolution of the of the book and um you know as i began writing it i talked to a lot of five first members i talked to uh, alvin johnson the founder of the five first and um just tried to try to get a, a better sense of like you know how did this you know how did the group come about and how did it evolve and how does it change and like because it is such a big thing, like what impact does it have on fandom, you know, and, and the cosplay world as, as you know, written whole. And, um, yeah, that was sort of like the, the evolution of the project was just trying to figure out, you know, why do we do this strange thing? <laughs> <laughs> so how far back were you able to find where there was people that, I guess, cosplay and what we consider the modern definition of cosplay, as opposed to, like, doing it for, like, you mentioned the theatrical play, but I'm curious, did people just go out and celebrate their fandom like we do now, and how far back did did you find? Yeah, and that's a really good question, because, you know, there's a whole lot of different starting points. Um, There is, you know, I think 1983, when the, the, the term cosplay is coined, so it's a Japanese fan, came over to Worldcon in, in, um, Los Angeles and basically came across people at a masquerade uh, at this big convention trying to, you know, it was trying to figure out like, you know, how do I best describe this? You know, the word masquerade doesn't quite translate all that well. So he came up with the idea, the word cosplay. But then you can go further back. You can go to 19, uh, 1966, 1967 when Star Trek comes out. And 
you have fans who are dressing up in costume, just walking around the convention um, outside of a masquerade. And then you can go even further back. You can go back to 1939 when two fans named Forrest Ackerman and Douglas, uh, sorry, Myrtle Douglas show up to the first ever world science fiction convention in New York City. And they dressed as uh, characters from H.G. Wells' The Thing to Come, as a movie at the time. And so that's sort of like the first ever-ish um, like convention appearance where people, you know, these guys were, you know, this, this couple were fans of this of this movie. They were science fiction fans. They wanted to sort of, you know, sort of blow everybody away. And everybody was like, "What? This is weird. What are you guys doing?" <laughs> but then people kept doing it over and over again for every world, con- just about every world con that I could find afterwards. But then you can go even further back. Um, and there's a couple of examples I cite in the book. One is is there there was a comic strip called uh, Mr. Skygack from Mars. It was seemed to be pretty popular in the American Northwest. And it's basically, you know, like that little, that comic strip, uh, Strange World, where the two aliens are like making really mm-hmm. literal observations about, you know, human, humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit like that. It's this alien making these really, it, he's got like a long smock and, uh, some goggles and a long snout and he's making these really literal observations about, um, uh, about humans. And then you can go even further back to, um, Jules Verne, the science fiction writer, held a costume party at his house, and people showed up as his characters. Um, one of the things that I, I wanted to examine in the book was not just sort of like science fiction fantasy cosplay, but like just the idea of dressing up to relate to a story. And that's sort of the, that's sort of the definition that I fell to. From you know, what is the what is the definition of cosplay? And it's it my my take on it is basically anytime somebody is dressing up as an expression of fandom, whether or not that is. Um, uh, science fiction epic like Star Wars or even something like the American Civil War. Um, so I talk about Civil War reenactors and World War II reenactors, um, Lopping and, uh, the SCA and sort of medieval reenactments. And so that was a, that was a thing that I really wanted to, to ex- explore. And there's some really great early examples of like, mo- like people making like satirical mock, uh, mockery of like, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, militia laws in the Philadelphia area. And they, they call themselves the Fantasticals. And then there were, um, you know, this, over in England, there was a tournament that some, um, some of the wealthy held because they, they felt that the idea of pageantry wasn't being, you know, upheld in England. So they decided to sort of bring this, you know, bring the, uh, you know, bring a joust back. And all of it is sort of relating to this idea of a story that we have in our heads. And, um, you know, that's, and I think that in a lot of ways, like that enthusiasm and that appreciation and a connection to story is not too different from like what we do today. Andrew, you described the, um, the two gentlemen from the 1939 science fiction convention in New York City. Um, uh, guy, uh, uh, Forrest Ackerman and Myrtle Douglas, yeah. a guy and a girl, there were a couple at the time. Oh, okay. um, they, and they were they really early fans is there uh, within the science fiction fantasy. In, in, the, in your book. Sorry? Is there a picture of those two in your book? There is. Um, and let me, I have a copy here. Let me uh, sort of describe it. There's only only a couple pictures of, of them exist that I was able to find. Um, let see here. Yeah, um, I, hadn't I, heard, I, was, I hadn't heard that name of Forrest Ackerman in a long time. The local uh, literary convention here in my town, they actually developed this fan film uh, award series and it's called the Forrest Ackerman uh, fan film award. So I was like, Hey, I know yeah. that name. <laughs> yeah. Forrest was, was a, for a long time was sort of like this, this foremost, um, 
sort of foremost fan within the science fiction world. And the, the, the costume that he's wearing is it's basically like, um, I've, I've seen pictures of the actual garment. I haven't seen it in person, but it, 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 it the pictures I have, it's black and white. He's standing in New York City next to a road. He's got these really tall boots. He's got sort of, um, he's got brown pants, the Jalopner, uh, sort of like what short troopers wear actually. And yeah. sort of shiny shirt with, um, sort of like really these really big, I think, I think there's a cape and there's these really big shoulders on it. And um, he's got his name stitched onto it. And basically his girlfriend stitched, uh, made the costume for him and he, he wore it out. And they wore it for a couple of years to the, to the gold cons. But Forrest was a really, he was a, a, a really well-known figure within the fandom community. And this is sort of one of the interesting things about the, the evolution of cosplay is that this sort of, this version of cosplay came out of the literary tradition. So early, early science fiction fans. And this was back before, you know, movies and TV shows are really a big thing. A lot of the, the primary way a lot of people consumed science fiction was through these pulp magazines like uh, Astounding Science Fiction or Amazing Stories. And they talked to each other through letters and um, local meetups. And the 1939 science fiction, uh, World Science Fiction Convention was um, like this first big national gathering of, of these fans. And that was a, it was a really big deal. And it's been held almost every year since. There was a couple of years where they took it off because of World War II. And, um, you know, the trajectory of cosplay, basically, it started with them. They basically, it was sort of a fun, sort of a fun thing people did at the con. Um, and again, these are not really like your, your comic cons where you have sort of vendors and, um, and things like that. It's mostly people like sort of going to panels where they talk about, you know, every, you know, all sorts of things to do with science fiction and, and fantasy literature, tropes and literary technique, your favorite stories of the year, that sort of thing. And for a long time, the what you would do if you were if you were a costumer they didn't call it cosplay back then but what they would do is you would have probably Sunday night the last end of the convention um, everybody would sort of get bring their bring a costume that they'd make um, and over the years it would become a more of a it sort of started as a very casual thing and it became more of an elaborate thing as time went on uh, but they'd go they'd, you know you go up before your friends you do a small sketch or skit and you eventually it became a thing where it was more a formalized contest where you go up and there'd be, you know, rankings and um, you'd be judged on performance on your, on your costume quality and things like that. And it wasn't really until Star Trek that that really started to change where people started to sort of wear costumes out and about in the convention hall, much like we do to, you'll see today. Um, and Star Trek really sort of broke that mold and sort of brought a, brought more people into fandom, but it also changed how people were fans. Like, you know, yeah, I think also a big part of it was that, you know, Star Trek uniforms are pretty comfortable to wear. You could you could put on a Starfleet officer uniform and you know, wear it all day if you wanted, because it's pretty much just normal clothes. Whereas something is something like a, a costume you might bring to a masquerade might be a little bit more elaborate. So um yeah, the, the, that's sort of the thing that he started. He he died about a few years ago and um um he was a, a force sorry, this is Force Ackerman. He he was sort of a, sort of an author. He he was a big memorabilia collector. Um, what else did he do? He was an agent. He he was mostly he wasn't really known within sort of the modern science fiction world as much, but he was he was a big name way back, you know, decades, a couple decades ago. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, you mentioned the memorabilia part, and I remember when we were uh, doing the Forrest Ackerman Memorial um, Fan Film Award. They actually loaned us a part of his collection. It was like Basil Lugosi's uh, ring or something. Yeah. Um, and so we made a mold of that 
to make as the trophies for this uh, fan oh, cool. thing. <laughs> so just yeah, remember these like, well random things as you say that. Yeah. Yeah. He, so, he was very I, well connected in Hollywood, so he's a big he's a big movie he's sort of a big movie fan. And again, science fiction fandom, you know, capital a, capital SF uh, fandom was was more interested in sort of the literary side and less so with the the, the film and TV world. So um, that's sort of where he was best known for for a long time. So, anything else you'd like to share about your book? Um, I, I don't think I don't. Oh, there's there's so much. Um, I mean, I you know, I, one one thing about it I, I I really wanted to do is I, I talk a lot about the the history of cosplay, so the the evolution of how we dressed up in in costume and stuff. But one of the things I, that was really important to me that we all that I also looked at was um, obviously the 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 evolution of the five hundred first, and the the five hundred first sort of comes at this really interesting time in in this world because it got its start in ninety seven when Alvin dressed up in armor. For the special editions, and then um, you know, when I joined in 2003, 2004, you know, it was still not really. It was like you know, the weird people's group, like you know, only the, the super hardcore fans, um, because you know, science fiction and fantasy wasn't really like a thing. You know, being popular wasn't really a thing then. You know, it, it took a couple more years for that to happen. And so the final first sort of bridges this period of time where it was deeply uncool to do this sort of thing. You know, we, we would get ridiculed on, on newscasts or, um, or on the Rose Parade or, or the Rose Parade. <laughs> um, but now, you know, you, you dress up in armor and it's like the cool thing to do. So that one of the things that I really wanted to explore is like, why, you know, what does that mean for the way we consume, you know, entertainment these days? And, uh, you know, a big part of that is, you know, Marvel's, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a thing. Lord of the Rings was a big, huge thing. Um, what else? Like, you know, obviously Star Wars came back. Game of Thrones was big. Um, shows like the Big Bang Theory depicted cosplay um, as a, as key plot points, and that those reached huge audiences. So I think uh, this big, you know, confluence of all these factors that sort of led into, you know, more people becoming fans and people who, you know, what, what, you know, but, I don't know, what was this, 90, sorry, 2006, 2007, you know, there were people who were, you know, I, I, places where I worked or, or operated in, like, you know, I would see people who never, ever would have picked up Dungeons and Dragons or talked about, like, their favorite Marvel character, you know, to save their life, were now, you know, stepping into these spaces. And I think that, you know, that's a really good thing. And I think that's one reason why, like, the Bible person has become, you know, remains this big force within the cosplay world is because it is, you know, um, you know, we had those numbers beforehand and it's, uh, you know, Star Wars has remained sort of eternally popular. So people have blocked to, you know, Star Wars cosplay, uh, including to the 501st. So that, that's a, that's a big part of the, a big chunk of sort of the, the core of the book. It, the book's not a, explicitly about the 501st. Um, but it, the 501st is a really good, um, sort of gauge for like, you know, how the direction of how cosplay has come about and like what has, um, how it's, you know, transformed over time. Um, and along the way, you know, we looked at technology. So like, what are, you know, how has technology changed? Like, you know, we have cell phones now, but, you know, take your picture. And that, that wasn't around when I started doing this. Um, 3D printers, um, social networks, like all of these things. And we delve into the history of all these different elements from, you know, Hollywood to, the history of the camera to motion pictures and, you know, just to try to understand how all these things fit into this much larger picture. And then, you know, the back half of the book, you know, the back last bits of the book are looking at like, you know, where are we going from here? So like, you know, we had, 
if we have the history all behind us, what is the what is the stage that it's setting for the future? Um, and the fittingly, sort of fittingly, the last chapter is, is all about you know the COVID nineteen and cosplay, mm-hmm. uh, which I ended up I actually ended up turning in my manuscripts a week before Vermont locked down and my kids came home from daycare and school, um, which I never would have been able to finish it if, if I hadn't been late. <laughs> um, but then I had to go back and actually write a couple of, you know, an extra chapter and a bunch of other things to like, you know, sort of update the book on, you know, well, this, this is a big change. So, um, and along the way, like once things started to unlock a little bit and, um, you know, conventions started to open up, I took a whole bunch of pictures of people in masks and, and things like that. And yeah. So it, that's sort of like the big broad picture of, of this book. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for well, coming on and, and sharing the the behind the scenes about your book we're very excited about it i am too i'm i it, as i said it's been sort of in the works since 2016 um and um i i've been really blessed alvin uh, um i sent alvin a copy uh, a while ago and he was he gave it a, a pretty glowing review which i was really excited about um it's always sort of nerve-wracking when you sort of hand off from the people you've written about um but i hope that um Final first, you know, it'll. I, I think final first people will find it interesting, um, and I hope that it, what it will do is sort of help connect us, you know, because if you just join the final first, and, you know, you have to come out of like any sort of fan or cosplay tradition. Hopefully, it'll help just give a good understanding of you know where does the final first come from and where does cosplay come from and, and um, you know how has it changed and evolved over the years. And um, I think it's a pretty a pretty interesting story, but I, I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> And what's that title again? If you could please repeat that. Title is Cosplay History, and the the, the full 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 title is the uh, the builders, fans, and makers who bring your favorite stories to life. Um, you can get it at any bookstore. It's from Simon and Schuster. Um, it's uh, you know Barnes and Noble, Amazon, local indie bookstore. You can get it, um, and it's also an ebook and an audiobook. And I see that you're going to be talking about it at San Diego Comic Con this weekend. Yes. Um, I don't know when this episode will drop, so maybe it'll be in the past, but um, I'll be talking, it's like the history of cosplay in 45 minutes, so I have to sort of give the book a little bit of a reread to sort of chunk it down to <laughs> a manageable time frame. Um, and I've got a couple of other cons that I'll be at in the next uh, couple months. Um, I'll be at Granite State Comic Con in um, New Hampshire, uh, Trek Conderoga in New York over at the um, the, the original series tours um, site over in Ticonderoga. And I think I'll be at New York Comic Con, but I don't know for sure yet. We'll see. Thanks for joining us. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. Hi, this is David Collins, Star Wars voice actor and editor at Skywalker Sound. You're listening to the 501st Cast. Well, San Diego Comic Con is back after a three-year hiatus, essentially the last one being held in 2019 and a minimized version being held in uh, November of last year called Special Edition, it is returning this weekend. And Star Wars, of course, is featured heavily in the programming. You can go to panels, uh, you know, on card collecting or, you know, by Hasbro. Uh, there are a few items that I think are, uh, are of particular interest to our listeners. The 501st is going to be doing a panel. That's the uh, Imperial Sands Garrison hosting that on Friday at 6 o'clock. It's called the 501st Legion, Star Wars Villainous Costuming. There's also a similar panel by the Mandalorian Mercs uh, that is called Costuming with the Mando Mercs. And that one's on Thursday from 6 to 7. Other ones might be interesting. There's 
a panel called The History of Sci-Fi Costumes on Friday from 1 to 2. And we had a guest on this podcast, who you may recall, as a panel as well. That's also on Friday for The History of Cosplay in 45 Minutes with Andrew Liptak. And that one's Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. As always, Imperial Sands Garrison and its sister clubs will be featured up on the mezzanine level. So please, if you are attending Comic-Con and want to find out more about the 501st, Rebel Legion, Mandalorian Mercs, and say all our sister clubs, please do head on up to the mezzanine level up at the uh, back of the exhibit hall and uh, chat with our troopers. Find out more about the Legion and we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. For this episode's member shout-out, we are recognizing our May 2022 Troop of the Month, Nick Snavely, BH32172, Commanding Officer of Southern California Garrison. He is one of the nomination's letters sent in. During May, Nick worked tirelessly in organizing, communicating with Legion, LFL, Disney, and Repop, and preparing for Star Wars Celebration 2022. In his capacity as project manager, among other things, he worked to keep all aspects on track for the opening of Celebration. Nick's focus was to provide a singularly high level of environment detail for all Legion partnership weeks themed to the town of Navarro, along with a variety of design backgrounds for photo opportunities. All designs, builds, props, effects, transportation, setups, and takedowns were coordinated and managed by Nick. Despite last-minute design changes and adjustments, this was all completed within scheduled timeline with no delays. In addition, he made certain that all problems, even those that occurred during celebration, were addressed quickly and completely. During the course of celebration, a variety of characters were requested for stage events in an effort to enhance the visual impact of those segments. Requests for first characters were made to Nick and subsequently were completed by him. The level of quality of the, the Navarro set pieces caught the eye of French Obi-Wan officials who requested a portion of it at the end of celebration for inclusion to the museum. Lastly, it should be noted that Nick's primary focus for celebration was not just its success with fans, but the satisfaction of LFL, Disney, and Repop with the theme concepts, execution, cooperation, and professionalism that was the celebration presentation. With that success reached... It put the Legion in a very good light as a whole, in addition to the Southern California garrison locally. Congrats, Nick. And I should note that even though this nomination letter says during May, Nick worked tirelessly in organizing, this was something that he's been working on since the beginning of 2020, I think it was, you know, because this whole concept was originally going to be um, for that celebration Anaheim that obviously got canceled. So they've been working on this for a very long time. Not only Nick, but uh, his exo, uh, Raimi, as well helped. And it was a wonderful display. I think everything was themed together wonderfully. Uh, like It just it was very impressive. So definitely well-deserved member shout-out to, uh, to Nick Snavely. I'd like to add another member shout-out. Because it turns out that uh, there we recently had Garrison Excelsior awarding a Trooper of the Quarter. Mm-hmm. I heard this. This was a uh, to our own Nikki Bloom, DZ8397. Yeah, she was recently awarded Garrison Excelsior's Trooper of the Quarter 2022. 
Way to yeah. go, Nikki. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that was very exciting. I have this whole special patch and everything that I got to figure out what I want to do with it. It's like oh. a, the Excelsior logo, but um, it has like gold threading instead of, I think, the red. I don't know. I have to like compare it with our regular logo. So that was pretty exciting. Nikki, if you don't know what to do with it, you know, <laughs> I'll send you something back. Yeah, no. <laughs> Did you get a raise? Yes, yes. Nice. From zero more, to zero. More of nothing. <laughs> well, I, if uh, if I may, I'd like to just read out a little something that was uh, uh, written about uh, why Nikki was awarded this wonderful award. Nikki is not only the Garrison Events Coordinator, she's also the lead events coordinator for the entire 501st Legion. That means Nikki and her team is responsible for organizing and are coordinating many of the larger Legion events that involve multiple garrisons or that need LFL authorization. Additionally, Nikki is Garrison Public Relations Officer, responsible for maintaining the Excelsior Facebook page and the Garrison Excelsior Academy Recruitment Group. She's also, of course, the writer and co-host of the 501st cast. She is principal of the New York State Branch of the Galactic Academy, responsible for helping those under the age of 18 become familiar with the 501st and Garrison Excelsior, so that when they're old enough, they will be ready to join as full members. She's also involved in the Droid Builders and R2 Builders Clubs, as many of our listeners know, and a member of Rebel Legion's Echo Base. So... Garrison Excelsior says, congratulations, Nikki, and thank you for all that you do for the Garrison and the 501st. And I echo that sentiment as well. Thank you for all your efforts, Nikki. We really appreciate everything you do for the 501st cast, the 501st, and all your multiple roles. Aw, thanks. Yeah, that, that was only slightly awkward, though, since I had to, like, write my own... Um, <laughs> I mean, my commanding officer wrote it, and I had to like type it again into Facebook. So it was <laughs> it was slightly awkward, but it was still it was still cool. Oh wait, there's one more sentence on here. It says, and Todd, make sure to mention about what a nice person I am. And <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea you were going to. But thank you. That was very sweet that you mentioned that as well. Definitely, and well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. As always, our official home on the web is 501st.com slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and listen to previous episodes of the show. The 501st cast can be tuned in via iTunes, podcasts.com, or Stitcher. The 501st cast is an easy way to catch up on a few weeks of Legion news while driving, at the office, or working out. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you'll need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. Just look us up on Facebook as The 501st Legion, or go to Facebook.com slash The 501st Legion. You can also follow us on Twitter as at 501st Legion, or go to Twitter.com slash 501st Legion. Join in the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. The 501st Cast is also available on the iHeartRadio app. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it follows generally accepted ground rules for Star Wars fan groups. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright and trademark Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Used under authorization.
Sorry, I couldn't find my microphone button there for a second. <laughs> the librarians. I just lost my place. Uh, I don't like doing that, but uh, there's one for the end of the show. The setup was very well panned. Planned, probably, right? The setting. Yes. Okay. The negotiations were short. Patience, my friend.